0: I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 17. If you're prepared to take your mortgage business to the next level, there is only one place to go. I Love Mortgage Brokering with your host, Scott Peckberg. Hi, Broker Nation. I am thrilled to introduce our guest today, Mike Cameron. Mike is a with Axiom and he's based out of Sherwood Park, Alberta. He's been a broker since 1994 and has uh, grown the Axiom Group to a pretty large company. How are you doing today, Mike?
1: I am doing fantastic, Scott. I'm happy to be here.
0: Cool. Are you ready to rock?
1: I am so ready to rock.
0: Awesome. I'm excited about this interview and uh, we were chatting a little bit before we got on the air here and so I'm gonna'm I'm gonna dive right into it. So can you I always like to start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your business?
1: Yeah, you bet uh, as you mentioned, I started brokering. I, I, I realized this May that uh, May was the 20th anniversary of me being licensed as a broker. so it's a, a little bit of a scary thing knowing that, I, that I've been at this for 20 years. In 1997, I moved to Edmonton. And at that time, it became a case of I was a new face in a new town, so I decided to get a brand name behind me. Uh, so I went and worked for CIBC as a mortgage specialist for, for a few years, and, and I always figured it, at some point I'd get back to brokering. And then I think it was 2000, 2001, uh, CIBC mortgages evolved into HLC, or Home Loans Canada. And I thought, hey, you know what, this might work. This gives me the brokering ability that I was looking for. And uh, by 2003, I realized that, you know, that wasn't really the case. I, w- I was getting my wrist slapped uh, for sending too much business outside the CIBC Group of companies. So I moved on, and I and I founded uh, Integrity First Mortgage Solutions, just a small independent brokerage at that time. And we grew and evolved. And I had a few people follow me from HLC. And uh, in about 2005, we were doing somewhere around you know 200 million in volume uh, with a very small group, probably seven of us. <laughs> and that was when sort of the the super brokers were, were were really exploding on the scene and we started to see the networks. And, and I actually, I got really frustrated because as a small independent, you know, I'd have a guy down the street that was doing less than a tenth the volume that we did and they're getting paid more than, than we were. And, and it was just because they agreed to pay, you know, a royalty fee or or a split of their income to one of the national houses or networks. And uh, it, it really frustrated me. So in 2005, I started what I called the National Alliance of Independent Mortgage Brokerages because, again, as I looked around, the, the nationals really, their sole value proposition at the time, and again, they've evolved since then, but certainly at the time, I, I really felt that the sole value proposition was aggregation for the sake of volume bonus. So I figured if all we're going to do is aggregate, well, let's do this on a nonprofit level level, and uh, we can level the playing field for the independent broker owner. Long story short, we did that for about 18 months and it became evident while well, we had some success that we were, we were going to need to do things a little bit differently. So, in 2007 we evolved into Axiom Mortgage Partners and it became a full-time for-profit venture and and we evolved the i think we had 11 brokerages on side under the nonprofit uh, as a cooperative and um, nine of the out of the 11 uh, flipped over with us and stayed with with Axiom Mortgage Partners and here we are 7 years later still going strong
0: and so it, obviously the 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 idea for Axiom came from your initial not being happy with what you saw in the marketplace, maybe as a uh, the aggregation of volume and going, okay, how can we solve this problem without necessarily joining a large ne- larger network? And then it evolved, and so then how right now, how's it looking as far as your your company? <laughs>
1: How's it looking as far as? It's
0: like you're like, so have you, you got, you started with 11 franchises. So do you, how many franchises are you guys at right now?
1: Yeah, we're about 42 (laughs) across the country right now. I think we're seventh or or eighth largest in in volume uh, across the country. So, you know, we've certainly done what we intended to do, and and that was level the playing field for the independent broker owner. You know, so now for the last few years, we've we've been sort of in the evolution of that. So what's next? You know?
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Cool. Well, at the end of the interview, I ask a question about sort of what's, where's the opportunity? So we'll we'll leave that for the end. But So you got into the mortgage biz, and then you sounds like you went from CIBC to HLC, then from HLC to independent brokering. And for anybody who doesn't, who maybe who's newer to the industry, HLC was a an arm of CIBC that basically had access to more products than just CIBC. Is that the correct a way to explain it?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And so then, yeah, a lot of people would experiment with brokering in that capacity. So before I dive into your story, I always like to ask about a success quote. So can you tell me about a quote that's really impacted your life or business?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I I found this a little bit challenging as I tried to go through quotes and pick one because I have so many. Uh, Like you, I'm a big quote fan. So uh, I'll give you my my current favorite is from a motivational video that I watch every morning, and I th- I think it's actually a Nike commercial. And it's uh, luck is the last dying wish of those that think that winning can happen by accident. Sweat, on the other hand, is for those that know it's a choice. That's my current favorite. One of one of the other faves I have is is Albert Einstein. Uh, and this comes back to what I was just saying at, at the end there. Try not to become a man of success, but rather try to become a man of value. Um, okay, we're, so we're
0: always looking at yeah. Which, so which uh, those do great quotes. The first one you said, luck is the last dying wish of those who what was the last part of it?
1: Luck is the last dying wish of those that think that winning can happen by accident. Sweat on the other hand is for those that know it's a choice.
0: Okay, let's let's. that one's a big one. I like it because it's got a lot of good stuff and I like Albert Einstein too, but let's, the Nike one is, you know, it, it's been it's a little more newer. So tell me about how you've yeah. applied that quote, particular quote, that idea to your business or life in the last little while.
1: Well, I, I think that, that idea is just work hard and, and good things happen. You know, if you sit back and, and wait for, for good luck to fall upon you, it's not going to happen. L- last year, I did uh, my first Iron Distance triathlon. So obviously, that one's a bit of a, a sports uh, quote. So, you know, every morning when I get up at 5am, I don't always feel like getting up at 5am. So so I kind of, I pull that one out.
0: But don't you find, though, that I'm I, for me too. So I recently in the last year, I've got into Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And so I like to compete in tournaments and, and the training. There's so many things that cross over though into work and life so in this training for your Ironman man uh or for the not for the triathlon the sprint distance so give me some give me a tip or something that you've picked up that You've applied to your business that you maybe wouldn't have got if you weren't spending the time on the bike and in the pool and running.
1: A, a tip, one of the parallels from from sport training, or Yeah, from sport training. training. Yeah. I mean, I I did a whole sixty minute presentation at the Alberta Mortgage Brokers Association conference on that. Really, what it came down to for me is I recognized setting out to do a big goal like that, I I needed three things. I needed to be committed. I needed coaching or or instruction. I needed somebody that had had been there and done it and could tell me how to do it. And the third and probably most important thing was that I needed discipline to do that. And I, and, I, and I did that for 38 weeks. My workout regimen was was intense. So no, no different than our business. You need to be committed to it. You, you can't do this business half ass. You got to be both feet in. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you're not passionate about this business, you got two choices. Get passionate, Or get
0: out. Right, that's awesome. And actually, I bet you didn't think you're going to be talking. So I'm going to put a link to that. Do you have is that somewhere you can get that online? That talk, or is it just was something you did and it's gone?
1: Um, I did record it, but the recording's fairly crap.
0: Okay, well, if you, I've
1: got got some stuff I can get you.
0: Okay, if you have something, I'll put a link in the show notes because I think it'd be great. I I think there's a lot of you know uh, similarities between sport and business, and just applying those principles to your business will definitely help you. So that's a great quote, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, I love it. So the other area i found for me too is failure i know that i've had lots of failures as an entrepreneur and as a mortgage broker i've tried lots of things and some of them work some of them don't so but looking back there's always a lesson so if you look at your life as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, and, a, and in particular, a, mor- a mortgage broker, can you share with me something that you failed at? And then looking back, the lesson that you got?
1: Yeah, you, you know, it was interesting, Scott. I, I tried to tried to sort of distill that down to, to one thing. And I had a real challenge with that. And I've listened to probably five, uh, maybe six of your, your past interviews now. And, and I realized that everybody seems to struggle over that one a little bit. And I, I think the reason for that is that successful entrepreneurs, they don't recognize failure. They don't see failure as failure. It's just a learning, just another learning opportunity. So I had a real hard time trying to sort of put my finger on one. But what I realized is for me, I try and fail every day. I work very hard to fail every day because if I'm not failing at something, I'm not doing enough things. I'm not trying hard enough and I'm certainly not learning. So I'm not certain I've got sort of one failure for you to learn from. But again, I, I try every day to be doing Something that's a little bit out of my comfort zone that I'm not very good at because let's face it, if you want to get good at something, you got to suck at it
0: first. Right. You know, this actually brings me back to my, my jiu jitsu coach tells me you either win or you learn. And uh, I guess is what he told me going into my first tournament and I was like you're right you know you either you win but when you don't win there's always opportunities for learning and if you think of failure as is sort of final then that's a problem but if you think of it as opportunity or learning and and reapply but can can if I can push you a little bit is there anything in particular recently maybe a lesson you've learned maybe we won't call it a failure but uh, maybe the outcome was not expected the way you wanted and then you just learned from it and you know pivoted or moved on
1: yeah, I mean I I think for from... me um, not letting go enough, not empowering staff to, to do what, what I've hired them to do. Um, we've certainly run into circumstances where where I've inhibited people because, I mean, let's face it, as an entrepreneur, you, there's a little bit of that control issue in, in place. So, you know, we've had a couple of incidents recently, you know, I can't give you specifics, but uh, where I've held on a little bit too tightly and uh, has caused a couple of things not to go the way they, they should. Um, so my takeaway from that is is really focusing on on delegation and and uh, allowing your team to do what it is you brought them on to do.
0: Right, that's a, you know what that's actually a common theme I've noticed talking to people. So do you is letting go of that control, or we're kind of being a control freak, or just micromanaging? So do you have how do you when you notice you're doing it, how do you take a step back, or what do you do to you know to try to manage that?
1: Well, I I actually you know lots of people entrepreneurs talk about or the A type personality you talk. With the list type personality and the, the to do list, uh, I've actually created a, a list that I call "shit I shouldn't be doing." <laughs> um, and every time I, I start doing something that I know I shouldn't be doing, I write it on that list, and I and I write down you know who 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 that should be that's doing that task. Right. So for me, for me, it's just a mechanism to allow me to sort of recognize when, I, when I'm doing that.
0: Okay, that, that's that's perfect. That's exactly what, that's why I was digging a little bit there. That's a great uh, yep. great piece of advice is to make that list of things. Okay, look, this is not stuff that maybe that I'm supposed to be, you could probably do it and you'd be good at it, but it's not the highest and best use of your time or your talent. So it's yeah, good exactly. it, It's good to make that list. So now another thing I've noticed about successful brokers is they always have a process, they have administrative processes, they have sales processes, and they're always willing to make adjustments. And so I don't want to ask you about, I know. You your role is slightly unique in that you're uh, you're kind of running a large brokerage in a franchise but you were you know you were brokering at one time and you're still very very involved in the brokering process so can you share a specific administrative process you guys had yeah. that maybe wasn't working and then how you tweaked it and what kind of outcome you got
1: well I, I was absolutely let, let, let's talk a little bit about the importance of a, of a well-defined sales process so first because i think sometimes we take that for granted and i'm not sure everybody gets it to the same level but you know well-defined sales process, and make no mistake, process is my life. This this is what I do. So you're you're asking the right question to the right guy. Uh, absolutely. And any any of my team around me, anybody that's met me knows that uh, you know I've got this. I'm holding it in my hand right now a process binder that I've been lugging around for 10 years, and it's got all kinds of chicken scratch on it. But uh, the the power of a well-defined uh, sales process is it makes you more efficient. You know exactly what to do and when to do it. You know this allows you to set very effective effectively set expectations of both your clients and referral sources. A well-defined process can make up for a ton of inadequacies. You don't have to sweat the small stuff. One of the things I recognized early in my career was You know, I suck at dotting the i's and crossing the T's, But when you've got a well-defined sales process, it all just happens naturally, and you can outsource the pieces that you don't do well. With a good sales process, it's scalable, and this is huge because I think not a lot of people think about that fact. You know, as brokers, we all want to grow our business and scale our business, but you can't do that unless you know exactly what it is you do and how you do
0: it. Right. So, give me an example. Let's let's camp out on that for a second. The scaling. So, give me an example of something that maybe uh, how could somebody who's struggling with how to scale their business what sort of adjustment could they make like what i'm thinking in my mind right now is that you know i've met brokers who for instance will drive around town to meet every client, you know, wherever they happen to be. And, you know, I've said to them, and I'm, I'm, I have not done the, the volume that you guys have done or that you've done personally, but I know that that is not scalable, a scalable process if you're constantly driving around town. And so you need to sort of fix that part of your business. So do you have something in particular that you'd say you'd see people doing, and you've got all these agents you work with that a common mistake they're making that is making it well, hard for them I, I to think, scale?
1: I think that's a good one. And that, that comes, you know, a lot of a lot of newer brokers will, will run around chasing deals all over the place, but that comes back to, you know, some of the basic sales principles and qualify your prospect. You know, I talked to an agent that, uh, you know, drove for two hours to, to sit down with a family and go over some options for them. When they got there, it uh, turned out the husband didn't want to talk to them. So it was a complete waste of time. So again, if the first step in your pr- process is, is to qualify the prospect, that's going to remove that. You know, we've got... I've kind of, to answer your question specifically uh, about processes, I've really broken it down into three pieces, and we've kind of branded them, but essentially they, they boil down to the before, the during, and the after. And within each one of these processes, there's a sub-process for each, each one. So obviously, you know, we do all our marketing and lead generation activities. The idea is to generate a lead. Once we've got a lead, the objective there is to take an application. Once we've taken an application, we then stream them into one of the sub-processes. So to give you a specific example of one of the the processes that we have in place is what I call our path to home ownership. And this is for those clients that just don't qualify. And it's a series of of touches that speaks to what their barrier is. So if a client doesn't qualify, as you know, it's it's for one of or a combination of three things. It's either income, credit, or equity or down payment. In our system, in our database, we check which barriers we're running into and the system automatically sets sets up a process where it sends up an immediate letter, a six month letter, a 12 month letter, an 18 month letter and a 24 month letter it also prompts the agent for to make those follow-up calls. It'll, it'll actually work with the client uh, for our process runs for two years, and if they're still in the game at that point, then you can just put them back into the beginning of that process. So there's an example of a specific process we've used.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love th- I like thinking about your business in the, those three things you just said, the before, the during, and after, and then thinking about, okay, build design processes around each of those segments, because it is like three different parts, and so obviously that path to home ownership is what you'd consider that part of the before unit, right? Yes, absolutely. And then when when do you actually transition to the during? Is that when you've got the application? Is that, with that the when that...
1: Yeah, when, when, once you know there's a deal on the table. So within that, within that during part, again, what we call the path to mortgage approval, there's subsections. So it's, is it a pre-approval? Is it a real deal? Uh, if it's a real deal, then what type of real deal? Is it a switch uh, transfer? Is it a refi? Is it a owner-occupied purchase? Is it a rental purchase? There's different processes for each one of those. The beauty of having again, the beauty of having a well-defined process is you can try new things. So if you come across something that works well or that you think might work well, you can insert it. So I go back to probably 2003, 2004, the mortgage training group was doing their cross-country tour. I went and sat in on an all-day seminar. One of the nuggets I pulled out of there was it was actually Greg Williamson. And Greg talked about the fact that he sent a box of cookies to his client's workplace at the time of mortgage approval, not when the deal closed, but when the mortgage was approved. And I thought, wow, that's brilliant. I mean, picture it. Your client's sitting at their office. They get a box of cookies. They're talking around the water cooler. Hey, where'd those cookies come from? Oh, it was my mortgage. Your mortgage broker? What? What's that client going to do? Of course, he's going to share those cookies. It's going to create a bit of a buzz. Now you've just touched everybody in the client's workplace. So that, that workshop was on a Friday. I came back to the office on a Monday, picked up the phone, called a bunch of bakeries locally, found one that could bake the cookies and deliver them for me at a reasonable price. I went and pre printed a whole bunch of letters, took them down to the bakery and said, every Friday afternoon, I'm going to fax you a list of clients I want these to go to. Within two business days, I had I had that piece inserted into my process.
0: Right. I love That's an awesome. Actually, I've heard that before from, I don't know if maybe it was from Greg or, but I think that's a brilliant marketing strategy, just a communication strategy to stay in touch with clients and, and uh, the cookies at approval. I love it. It's so good. And so do you guys still, like, I mean, is that something that still yep. goes on today?
1: Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, we don't do cookies right now. I think we're we tweak it a little bit. I think we're doing a chocolate covered pizza. Oh cool. But, but but we do different things and and edibles are always nice because because they do get shared.
0: Mhm. Yeah, if you send them a gift that, card that they they, they put it in their drawer or they put it in their purse and they say, "Well, thanks for that. You know, it's awesome. My my mortgage broker's rocks." But there's no like inherent community or sharing when somebody sees a bunch of cookies or a chocolate-covered pizza, which I've never had. Uh so I would be like, "Hey, I want to try that. <laughs> Where did know, you get, I'll get
1: it?" You a chocolate-covered <laughs> pizza. It's on my list.
0: Yes, chocolate-covered pizza, man. I'm going to put it on my list on my bucket list. <laughs> (laughs) That's great. Okay, that's perfect. That's exactly what I was looking for some ideas on process. And obviously, I know that you're very process driven, and it's an area of your that you're strong at. So it's good for us as brokers to think about that. and, And having a process, like you said, allows you to just make drop in something and try it. Once you've heard it, you hear an idea on this on one of these podcasts, or a friend tells you about it, you can you can insert it and and repeat it because it's in the process instead of just a one-time, one-off thing.
1: Well, the the other thing that you can do if you've got a well-defined process is you can use that as a differentiator. You know, we always talk about providing value to our referral sources, to our customers, and to differentiate ourselves. So how do we differentiate ourselves? Well, when I can go in and sit in front of my prospective referral source with my binder and I can show them what I do, you think that sets me apart from the five other mortgage brokers that were in that morning? Absolutely, it does.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's great. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit. And so I know that you obviously you're, you're doing this, you train hard and you've got this business that you're growing. And so how do you run uh, balance running your mortgage practice and your franchise and your family and your training and all that stuff? you have some advice for brokers out there?
1: Well, I'm not sure I'm the best one to ask. That question because I, I haven't always done that well at balancing. I, I'm, I'm two years separated now, but I got to say that that was a bit of an eye opener for me, and and uh, it, it, it's something that uh, that I've really made some adjustments to, and and really made a focus on spending the time with my kids. So you know when I've got them, um, I work from eight thirty to three fifteen when I pick them up at school, and then I go back to work after I get them to bed again, and I get up bright and early to do the rest of the stuff that I need to do. So I'm up at five. Clock and uh, you know again just scheduling the time at the appropriate places so that when you're at home you're at home and your mind's at home with you not just physically being at home but your mind's at home and for a long time that was that was a challenge for me you know it's, it's one thing to physically be there it's another to mentally um so the the biggest piece of advice i would give is when you're at work be at work when you're at home be at home physically and mentally right yeah it's it's not always that easy to do but it's important
0: it's a constant uh constant thing you work on and it and like we were just talking about actually it helps to have even a process around that so like you said you know you get up you train you you do your work and you pick your kids up so you have a process and so having a defined family process is also a helpful thing i think
1: yeah very much so very much so
0: Okay, so now we'll move to the rapid fire questions and these you can answer with a little shorter uh, answers if you like. And so what is the number one thing holding most brokers back from being successful?
1: Inaction, inactivity. uh, And second to that is is not being prepared. Um, I, I think too many people just don't implement or don't act. And a lot of people when they do, they're not prepared. And as a result, they do a subpar job
0: so what one habit do you think has made you successful
1: Uh, i do stuff (laughs) i just do stuff Uh, i may not always get it right and like i said earlier um if you want to do something well you have to do it poorly first
0: and um so do you have like an internet resource software program like evernote or dropbox that you use that makes your business more successful
1: well we, we've got our own proprietary system, myaxiom.ca, that we use, um, which manages the, all of the automated processes, the the CRM aspect, uh, the renewals, all of that stuff. So, so obviously, I'm a little bit biased, and that would be kind of
0: uh, what I'd call number I'll, one. I'll put I'll definitely put a link to that in in here too. Do you have another one that's that's outside of that? I'll put two in for you because yeah, because you kind of built use, one, so.
1: Yeah, we we use uh, Google App uh, for email, calendaring, all that kind of that kind of thing, as well. You know, podcasts have become a big part of uh, what I do as well. So, I, you know, it, it's not a specific internet resource, but there there are just a ton uh, of great podcasts out there, and you know, that's that's how I ran across yours actually.
0: Right. Cool. Well, I'm glad that you're uh, you know part of the show and been listening. So I really appreciate it. it, it- if you could recommend a book for our listeners, what would it be?
1: I have got a couple of books. Um, Darren Hardy's "The Compound Effect" is a big one for me. Simon Sinek's "Start with Why" and an oldie but a goodie is uh, Max Maltz, Maxwell Maltz, uh, "Psycho Cybernetics."
0: I've heard of that uh, one, but I've never read it.
1: Well, it was written back in, in I think, the late '60s. Uh, Maxwell Maltz was a plastic surgeon um, so he talks about improving your self-image so he talks about what he sees as a plastic surgeon um, and what actually you know makes people feel better it's not the, the physical aspect of, of the surgery so, so it's, it's a really interesting book and, and a lot of the sort of self self-help principles stem from his original work
0: okay cool I'll put links to those I've never heard the compound effect I've never heard of that one either what?
1: oh yeah and that's I mean it's about just getting a little bit better today than you were yesterday but doing it every day
0: right okay I'm gonna I'll put them up there for anybody who wants to check them out and then so where do you think our industry is headed where's the opportunity right now
1: you know what I I think we've got a lot of opportunity I mean it's getting tougher and tougher to get deals placed these days um, which is good for us I mean I know it's frustrating and I know it can be really frustrating as a a newer broker Uh, well even as a seasoned broker it can be frustrating Uh, but I think that's the opportunity I don't think we're going away anytime soon. Those that have a good book of business established or have the ability to establish a good book of business, treat their customers right um, and, and can deliver volume, can drive customers to our lender partners and do it efficiently, you know, I, I think there's always a, a home and a market for that. The opportunity, the opportunity is, is huge right now because again, deals are getting tougher to do so the banks are having a harder time doing them and let's face it, 90% of the people out there are not good at what they do. So just do what you tell people you're gonna do and do it consistently and you'll excel.
0: Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that'll make you unique. Just do what you say you're gonna do. Yeah,
1: it's not hard, it's not Kay.
0: hard. So. so one of my favorite questions is the DeLorean question. You remember Back to the Future? You betcha. And so the DeLorean, let's say you had the DeLorean and you could jump in it and travel back to any time and you decide to pick the, your first day as a mortgage broker out of all the times you could pick and you got 15 minutes to give yourself three pieces of advice. So what would three things would you tell yourself when, if you could actually sit down, you know, back in 1994, when you were heading on this path from broker to, you know, a mortgage specialist to now a, a franchise <laughs> owner, so can, what, tell can, me the three things I, you'd can say. Can I
1: warn myself about some of the people I came across?
0: <laughs> well, maybe not. I mean, something more applicable that anybody could use. Because
1: yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, I. I, I I think I, I, w- I would talk to more people more often. Um, don't be afraid to fail. You know, I think that, that sort of held me back uh, at the beginning. I was a little bit tentative and, and shy. Um, so yeah, talk to more people more often. Hire faster, fire faster, get help where you need it. And third, let the people you bring on to help you help you. Let go, focus on what you're good at. Spend 80% of the time, of your time, on what you're good at Right. and and, and outsource the rest.
0: So talk. you'd basically say, they don't worry about, uh, talk to more people and don't have the fear of failure would be the first one. The second one would be hire fast and fire fast. So if there's a problem, if you know, deal with it. And then the third thing would be just learn to let go. Once you've hired someone and delegate, let, like, let them own that role and in- job.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, even more than that, just recognize what your strengths are and focus on them.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: stop trying to be the jack of all trades.
0: Yeah, jack of all trades and master of none. Well, I, Mike, I really appreciate this interview and the time you've taken with us and you've given us some really good stuff here. Uh, are you guys hiring right now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're always, you know, we, I I don't think we've ever purported to, we wanted to be the biggest, but I certainly want to be the best. So anybody that shares a similar um, values, mindset and vision, then yeah, absolutely. We're, we're
0: open to talking. Cool. And so where can people find you online?
1: Uh, my personal site is mikecameron.ca and uh, axiomortgagepartners.ca would be our
0: corporate one. Cool. Well, Mike, thank you so much for your time today. I have really enjoyed chatting with you and uh, thanks so much. My pleasure, Scott. If you are prepared to take your mortgage business to the next level, there is only one place to go. I Love Mortgage Brokering with your host, Scott Heckford. Hey Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Have you joined our VIP club for mortgage brokers yet? If not, you're missing out. We share exclusive content not available on the web or the show. We share scripts, step-by-step guides, and other insider tips to help you save time and make you more money. I can't tell you how many times after I turn off the recorder, a guest starts sharing some awesome advice or a script or or a tip, and I take the best of this and share it with my VIPs. If you want to get on the list, visit ilovemortgagebrokingcom slash VIP. That's ilovemortgagebrokingcom slash VIP. Oh, and one other thing. Since this is exclusively for mortgage brokers, there is a skill testing question. Good luck, and I hope you continue to rock your mortgage biz.